Happy Saturday, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another episode of The Crow's Nest. I'm Kelly J. Lewis, and with me today is Dr. Kevin Crow, and uh, we're we're having a really interesting conversation, and we wanted to save it for our listeners here today. So, uh, as we know, Dr. Crow is a history professor, and, and I'm really interested in history, too. One of the things that I kind of noticed, and I wanted to ask you about, Dr. Crow, is just kind of how history, have you noticed, like, history repeating itself, and, like, in the times of, like ancient Greeks and ancient Romans um, and, and you know, that time in history, do you see it repeating itself? I do. I mean, it's so familiar. We I had a course this last semester on the Roman Republic and towards the end of it, we talk about the collapse of it. And of course, one of the key figures is, the, is uh, uh, Cicero. And Cicero is considered the great defender of the Roman Republic. And he's also considered a model, a, a, a model politician, a model statesman. And not connected to that class, but just on my own, I started reading a little bit about, more about him and about his career and all that and where he went awry. And towards the, when he's actually consul, leader of the Roman Republic, he saves the Republic from, from a coup, an attempted coup, and, he, and he's considered this great hero. But then what you see is, is within a matter of about four years after that, he's exiled. He's literally, his political enemies get him to where he's, he has to, he, he's not permitted within 300 miles. If anybody gave him any aid, any water, any food, they could be executed. I mean, he's literally pushed out of politics. And I thought, how did this come about? And so I look at it, and it's weird because it's just, it's just like it is now. Here's this guy who's basically a model of, of civic virtue. I mean, he's, he, if you look at his personal life, unlike a lot of the other Romans, he's, he doesn't have this wild personal life. He's fairly uh, reserved. You know, he's not getting into shenanigans on the side and all of this. And then what happens is when he's at the top of his power, after he's kind of saved the Republic and he's kind of a hero and everything, it's these small things that we have to watch out for. And so there's a house that's for sale. Uh, and it's one that he had kind of eyed. Now, again, this is after he's out of power, and he started thinking to himself, he said, you know, it'd be nice to have that house. Now, he's not doing any shenanigans or anything, but he, but he checks on it. It's more than what he can afford. But then there's some other, there's another prominent politician by the name of um, of uh, Crossius who, who, had, who, who had a way of, he had connections on this house that came up. And so what he does is he, he says, well, you might be able to get it for a little bit less, a little bit less. And so finally he sees to it that he sold it under value, okay? But then he also have to take out some loans and stuff to get these. Now, none of this stuff is illegal. But what happens is it opens up a hole because then later in his political career, when he's defending and stuff, he's attacked for saying, oh, look, you got paid off. You got these sweet deals on this house. And so here's this guy who really is beyond reproach, but he opened himself up. And you look at that now with modern politicians. They'll make these little, even the best ones, a lot of them will make these little bitty deals and they'll get themselves entrapped. And it's a slippery slope. And again, he's not a he's he's the most decent person you could find, Cicero was, and yet those little bitty things allowed himself to be trapped. And so that's why, again, you want somebody like politicians who live within their means, who are not showy. Um, and, and we think, well, you know, they're successful, they deserve it. But once somebody starts, you know, on that road to, well, look at me, look at what I can do, you know, that 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 becomes a problem. Do they really need $5,000 suits? That's it. Do our politicians right. really need the $5,000 exactly. suits and the Rolexes and the, 
you know, whatever. But okay, so but you make an interesting point, and I want to ask you. But so, what made him a model politician? What made Cicero a model politician? Was it? I mean, his demeanor. I well, mean, first of it- all, he he'd always think, "Can we pay for this?" You know, if there's a program, he wouldn't just do it just because it was popular. He'd say, "You know, do we have a plan here?" Um, he also wouldn't be bribed. You know. Um, when he goes, when he when he goes as governor, a lot of times the way the Roman politi- Roman politics works is the magistrates, the elected officials, after they're out of office, what they get as a reward is is they become a governor of a province, and a lot of these people would squeeze the locals for everything we ho- have, uh, everything they could have. We know that if you look at Cicero when he returns from this, the amount of wealth he has, he profited the least of any person that we know of. So he had a model. He made it purpose that he was going to show that he could do this without one iota of of, of graph, and he did. So he, so he, he you know he he did his job and wasn't trying to profit off of stuff. I think you bring an interesting point to the table too, because you're right. I mean, even the the best politicians, even just these little innocuous things, which okay, I, and I shouldn't say innocuous because that thing with Elizabeth Warren and. And all that, and her claim to do a native ancestry. You know what? Maybe, maybe not. She might. That might be her ancestry. It might not. It's her. It's her family folklore. And if she embraces that and is not disrespectful about it, okay. Um, she never got a job. She she says she never got a job. She never benefited from that status and everything. And I'm okay with that too. You know, um, but. It's just that really hurt her among a lot of a lot of natives, a lot of and, you know, and it's 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 a joke to Trump about all that. But 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 that's just that was her little thing of just this one thing that opened her up to constant scrutiny now. And and that is something. And and it's like I said, I like her platform. I like her um her thoughts of consumer protection. I don't think there's enough consumer protection out there. Um, but that really did to me that, and just being an American Indian woman and just strictly just looking at it, it's like, she can't win now. There's, I mean, there's, there's non-natives who have an issue with that and who aren't going to learn that whole side of it. So I just, I don't think that, um, I don't think that, that she's gonna gonna get well, the full support. And the sad thing is, like you said, she allowed that to, to take her down. Even as a Republican, you know, she wrote a book a few years ago about th- this sad trap that we're in, where you, you know, where we have the two fa- two family incomes, and so nobody's there to raise the children. I mean, that's a Republican point almost. And she wrote the best book that you could find on it. But like you said, this little point has undermined her. And here she had, which I think. That book in particular makes one of the strongest moral arguments that we've had in years. It, it takes both economics and morality. And so it was an excellent book. And, and no one will pay attention to that. No one will pay now. I mean, you know, and that's what's sad. Well, and I don't know that they, yeah, and I know they didn't really pay a whole, whole lot of attention to it before because she is so strong against the banks. Yeah. And, the, and that they have a, a, a spin machine and that's so right. many lobbyists there that, you know, and they'll you look can get for your lost. weakness, and that's the thing. They will look. 
Well, and and but she's not the only one. I mean, now and and the, we're about to learn about all kinds of democratic dirt because you know where there's not usually. I mean, yeah, the Democrats sling mud and everything, but there's not usually enough of them involved to really get mucky and dirty. And now this year, or not this year, but this campaign cycle with all of these Democrats and more of them running. I mean, there's going to be. I mean, it's going to be a. I have a feel it's going to be a free for all before well, the primary. And, and, and powerful machines backing different ones, and it's un- even, and it's not just this regional machine against that regional machine. But if you take even like Chicago, you've got like the Rahm Emanuel machine against the Obama machine. I mean, so even even these regional ones are not united. I mean, it's it's going to be, it's going to be wild. Well, and and I know that we talked about this before. I don't want to harp on this too much because I do want to get back to uh, history repeating itself. But speaking of, Joe Biden, no. 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 I mean, he officially announced a couple of weeks ago, and he's got the support of the Firefighters Union. And, um, you know, he's really hitting the campaign trail hard. And he's re- he's he's another one that's, like, having to slowly, ex- like, change his apology and accept responsibility for his part in the Anita Hill hearing and things like that. And he should. And, he should. And I don't see, again, how anybody out of Delaware can ever claim to be a friend of labor. I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, I mean, Delaware, like I said, we've talked about this before because of, of it's kind of loose laws governing, um, you know, when, when, when I, when I, um, a company, um, what's that? One of my incorporates incorporates there. I mean, they have more companies incorporated in Delaware than there are people in Delaware. I mean, you've got, I mean, there's 900,000 people in Delaware and there's over a million companies incorporated there. I mean, this is just, that ought to tell you, it's like the Cayman Islands of the U.S., um, and, and and he's just and he's in the big thick of it, you yeah. know. And and it's like I said, I just I, he's not the one. He's not the one. And I really wish he would stop. Um, and 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 you know, a lot of the I say liberal media, I say outside of Fox News, um, they like him and they're pushing him. They're really pushing him down everybody's throat. Well, and the and, scary thing is that will kill it for. He will he will get the vote that should have gone to any moderate Democrat that could run. Well, and he's not he's he's you know he's trying to say he's progressive. He's not even moderate. He's not even a centrist Democrat. He's a pretty conservative well, Democrat. Not not conservative in the sense that I'm conservative. No, conservative no, 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 He's no. a corporatist Democrat. Th- that's the go. word that's, I would use. That's he's probably a, a better yeah. way to describe him anyway as a corporatist rather than a conservative because those are two markedly different. And, and I things. think I think for the Democrats. But but the problem is is none of the none of the activists none of the leadership is this way anymore. The future, if the if the Democrats have a future, their future should get back to labor. I mean, literally working people. That was what they always were. You know, it, it's weird because if we think about it, traditionally both part both parties had a negative and both parties had a pro- positive, and the Republican positive used to be during the Cold War. Cold War's over now. Uh, but when they had the Cold War, they were the ones that released stronger defense, you know, strong on, 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 um, on order, all of that. That's what they had going for them. Now, they were always as corrupt as sin when it came to, when it came, <laughs> and still are, when it came to things like corporate stuff. Mm-hmm. The Democrats, on the other hand, their weak point used to be, again, during the Cold War in particular, very wishy-washy on defense. Um, again, 
disorderly, all of that. But the plus used to be they looked out for working people. And now what we have are two parties, a lot of them, at least the establishment part, neither party cares about working people. Oh, no. And both parties are kind of like, you know, whatever when it comes to, to patriotism. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, he, and here's something else, too, is those 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 politicians, they get in on the backs, just like we've talked about that's before, it. on 200 people or just these few these few local pockets of voters. And they're not necessarily they don't necessarily have the um, their state's population or their citizens, their own citizens. That's right. They don't have their best interests at heart. It's well, I'm in and try to unseat me. That's it. You know, and it's just, and then they get the perks and then they're able to kind of build their war chest. And it's just, it's just this never ending. um, And again, how monolithic the media is. And I'm not, I'm not making the same argument that a lot of Republicans will, the liberal media. I'm just talking about, it's just monolithic and it's special interest media. I mean, we've seen in in our state, which, you know, people aren't going to call, call Oklahoma, the Oklahoma media liberal, Uh, but it doesn't matter. It's controlled. Absolutely. It is it is it is it is monolithic and there are certain interests that control it. I mean and I've never lived in a state that where the media was more monolithic than it is in this state. Oh yeah, you're not getting any kind no. of and and it's not just media though. That extends to books. That yes. extends to any kind of reading material. I mean, you can find all kinds of Christian bookstores here, but in order to find like, you know, I say, um, if such a thing exists, probably doesn't just yet, but like a, a biography of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You ain't finding that in Oklahoma City. You might find it in Tulsa. You'll find it in Wichita Falls or Dallas before you'll ever find it in Oklahoma. Yeah. And so that's kind of how, that's absolutely how controlled, I mean, and th- that is part of media, but but not what people typically think of it. But but everything that, from what we're allowed to buy in bookstores, to what we're allowed to hear, to what we're allowed to see on TV, that's all very controlled. It is. And in this state, like I said, the control, how it overlaps, the TV, radio, and newspapers it's it's insane i mean in here i mean it's well and a, and it's all controlled by the same people that's though it. the same people who who control this this particular news station control the daily i mean you know own the daily oklahoman and the people who own channel line that's the griffin family so they've got a lot of clout it's just it, it's just all a real um I say cluster shag of of interests that are and and now it it almost Okay, let's let's talk about a little bit about um, fascism and and what kind of is are we like turning into like something like that where our business interests are taking control of our government? And by the structure? way, I would I would call that even a a a bipartisan issue. Oh, because absolutely, either, it's a either, either, issue. either either party that's dominant can be seen in this because you get this combination of state. And um, and corporate and government interests and, 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 and co- yeah and, and this collusion between the two and and it's getting it's getting worse across the across the country but it seems like it's particularly bad here in Oklahoma yeah I I, I think it is everywhere though I do think it is everywhere well, but and, you do see it here a lot uh, and but but it's but I agree with you too it's not just Republicans it's not just and Democrats it's, not just, it's all across the and corporate here's something interests. else and it's not just it's not just Federal, it's not even just state, 
it gets to the level of cities. Well, and, and even small places. Well, but would you say that the issues are exacerbated in smaller places because of the the I say um unintended consequences that their smaller populations can face because of things like tax incentives to large companies and environmental concerns that maybe may have like stipulations that the that the local government has to make to get these companies in and also the level of control even of these local ones and we mentioned this even before and again i'm not i'm not saying which one's right which one's wrong but when we had a, a municipal election just a few weeks ago and, you know, when the winners, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying which side was good or which side's bad. I'm not commenting on that. I'm just commenting on the turnout. When the winners had 200 people mm-hmm. in a town of 20-something thousand, that's less than 1%. The winner, the winner. Yeah, it's... Well, and, and that's just, and, and we, we don't, I don't think citizens even realize, I wish, I don't even know what we can do on this show, outside of this show, to really help people understand that these local elections are really where their daily lives are well, affected. I think one thing we could do is, is if we show them how few it would take to turn up, it would make a big difference. You don't have to have a big turnout anymore. I mean, think about it. Think about this. We said 200. If one church would have showed up, they would have won. That's absolutely true. If one family reunion would have showed up, they would have changed it. See, now, I like that. People should start building their family reunions around voting days. If one one T-ball league showed up. I mean, we're not talking about big numbers. Yeah, and and that and that is true, and and so what? So what is it here in Grady County, and even in Chickasha? I mean, yeah, okay, we don't have public transportation. I get that, but I mean, there's still enough people. I mean, there this place, everybody's got cars around here, so really, transportation isn't an excuse because there's so many churches that have buses everywhere. Yes. So, I mean, how do we get the the local people? Involved and encouraged. Well, one thing is, is, is we have to publicize those voting dates. Everybody knows the voting date when it's the, you know, the general election, uh, especially during a presidential year, but even on the off years, you can get those. But that's basically, you know, that's once every two years. It's all those other dates. It's those city council dates. It's those special election dates special no election. one knows about. Yes. But even the city council ones now, very few people know about. Oh, yeah. And and it's just, it's almost even like the, the, local, the local media, the local newspapers, the local radio stations, they're not pushing no. it in any of the towns, not even in the big city market like Oklahoma City or Tulsa. No. You never hear them say, hey, get out and vote or rock the vote like they used to do That's in the right. 90s. You That's know? right. So, I mean. Is that because the apathy is just across the board? Well, I'll tell you what I'm uh, something maybe, but but it's but I think the apathy's there because when you have when you've basically uh, disenfranchised people, what I mean by that is you've kind of put them on the marginalized. I should yes. say marginalized people. I think they feel like they don't have any power. Um, but part of that is 
you know, if you look at if you look at the structure, going back to media again, and again, I'm not I'm not doing the liberal media. I'm not. I'm just saying the media. It's how controlled it is. You know, one of the things is if you have politicians who let's say buy ads, okay, quite a bit. Well, not only do they get the ads, a lot of times what happens is, is that paper becomes very favorable or that radio becomes very favorable mm-hmm. towards them because they don't want that candidate to lose because they bought the ads. But then what happens, I always wonder, is is if they have some other deal with them, maybe those people's businesses or whatever, maybe if somebody's running, we're just not going to run any ads and we won't let everybody know that the, you know, the, 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 and, the, and the media won't cover as much and then that way they don't have to worry about like people showing up. Well, used to there was the fairness doctrine that made you uh, guarantee equal time but see to that, both sides and that's, that's, right. that's not the case case anymore but even if but even if we have that if it's equal time if, if the if one side's not really if one side has these deals where and again not they may have you know business deals or whatever maybe they do maybe their businesses run ads or something like this um and, and so they know oh well that person has this person you know interest maybe they'll just decide well, we'll just make all of the uh costs real high to do ads or whatever so that so if one side is not speaking then you can still do the fairness doctrine. They just won't let the other side speak. Nobody's speaking. Does that make sense? Yeah, and used to, um, when I worked in traditional stick radio, the you po- political ads were actually half of rate card price. Yes. And you had to offer them to everybody. Now, you had to offer them. That is not to say that, you, like, if one political uh, candidate bought ads that the other one, you that you had to force ads on them. No, you just had to offer the same rate, the same time. Time. Like if you're offering a 60 second ad for this much money, yeah. then all of the candidates get that same rate. You can't change it because of who you favor and say, okay, well, you get this much time and you get this much time and you get this much time. So, I mean, I, and, and that's okay, you know, and that's how I do it here. I mean, if anybody ever wants to, you know, put ads no. on here, I, w- I would honor that here, just like, you know, any traditional media outlet. However, I mean, I feel like... Uh, my part in it, for my responsibility, I feel like in that sense, even though I believe how I believe, if a political candidate wanted to come on and, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean I endorse that person. That just means that they understand that I have a listenership that they want to reach. That's right. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, I don't yes. really look at it as saying, oh, well, I'm going to endorse But, but it's, you know, now this the person. problem is nobody comes on. That is That's a, the problem. Hey, I hey, I have been there, and all yeah. I wanted to do was get get candidates from the Pawnee Business Council. Okay, that's just yeah, my yeah. tribe, and I got three takers and no men yeah. wanted to talk to me at all. And I think that's a lot more tradition than anything because they don't they don't talk to women up there like that. But it it, it really is, and and we try to you know for Sunday Social and everything we try to get local politicians on. But everybody wants a comprehensive list of questions, and they don't want you to go outside those questions. It's like, hey, if I'm a citizen and I have something that comes to mind while you're sitting in front of me, I'm absolutely going to ask you. I'm a citizen. You're my representative, and you work for me. You know, kind of thing, and they don't like that. No, <laughs> so so they're very limited on on who they visit and which studio that they visit. So, and I think if you uh, co-host a show called "Them Damn Indians," it might it might make them a little <laughs> bit more a little leery to come in anyway. So, um, but let's get back to um, to kind of history repeating itself. Now we've kind of talked about it on on the federal level. Let's talk about it at the state level because I mean. I, 
where where are we it, as a as as a state how are how do you think that we're what's our report card as far as as what you see and everything i mean economically uh on the education level which i i have a good idea of where you think we are there but you know i mean where do you think we are as a state well you know one of the things is and this is also true even at the local level too Oklahoma does have some negatives that we just have to worry. I mean, geography is just a fact, okay? I always say that this state is blessed in geology and cursed in geography. And what I mean by that is geology, you know, we have, of course, we have oil, uh, you know, uh, you know, natural gas. And that's a plus. It can also be a negative sometimes when you get too hooked to it. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, it's a plus. But, but there is a problem of geography. And what I mean by that is while it looks like we're in the center of the country, you got to look at the U.S. this way. The U.S. is not, it's not like we're in the center because there's actually two centers. There's the East Coast and there's the West Coast. And we're in the middle. We're in kind of the dead zone. And so in that one, we're not a place that's going to be, you know, that people are going to travel through. So there are certain things that we cannot do that other states can do. But I think what's scary is, and this is something that we look at, we don't, we don't look at our unique situation, our unique pluses and negatives that we have going. We try to look at what some other state has done, maybe a state that's better positioned geographically than we are. Um, you know, maybe it's on a coast. And we think, oh, we can do that here, and you can't. And I think we need, is, is we need to look at what pluses we have and what negatives we have and to make the most of that. But we don't. We, we, we tend to see, and a lot of this will come out of, I think, a lot of times like National Chamber of Commerce will have a model for a city, and then you want to use it for every city, and every city's not the same. Uh, and I think that's true of the state as well. Um, I think that you really need to look at it, and, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. What do we do well here? What do we do well? What do we produce well? And 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 I don't think that I don't think that we need to continue to be tied to fossil fuels. No, I think that we have other things that that we can focus on that would really um, help our economic development in this state. There is some. I always thought like aeronautics. I mean, you know, that's that's one thing. We are centrally located. I was thinking about travel being centrally located, but that's one thing. But you also have to kind of you have to balance everything, knowing that some things are going to go up and down, up and down. And so, one thing is is when is when is is when we do have oil booms. Instead of spending that money right off the bat, that needs to really be put into rainy day funds. We need to understand. Yes, this is an advantage, but it's a curse if we get too hooked to it. Um, but like I said, diversify as much as we can, but also prepare, you know, when we get that money coming in, that, that it's you, that we have it for the future. The other thing is, is we also need to think about, you know, we really need to, to come up with a decision. What roads do we need and what roads do we not need? Um, a lot of times I think we try to grow just to, just to satisfy developers, but then you have to ask yourself, you know, how much is how much is is it going to cost to keep you know to keep these new developments in in in, in water? How much is going to cost update all of that? We have to be we have to be smart about where we where we build and everything too. Uh, you know, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. And the maintenance, the maintenance. Please understand about the maintenance before you start That's to exactly build right. all of this, because if you're going to build out all this infrastructure that doesn't go anywhere, That's right. and you have to maintain it. And that's something I always think of. And I, and I think of this, not just, you can see this, whether it's at sc- whether we're talking about schools, whether we're talking about cities, whether we're talking about universities, whatever. I always think a lot of the people that I have in mind, they're always thinking about new, 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 but not maintaining. And I I always call it, I call it teenager math. 
And the reason I say teenager, Matt, <laughs> yes. you get a teenager and all of a sudden they get their first job. Um, I don't know. And let's say they let's say they make a part-time job and let's say they make, I don't know, 12000 okay? And they think, hey, you know, there's that used sports car for 11000 I can buy that because I make 12000 a year. Well, that's true, but you've got to buy fuel. You've got to buy insurance. You know, you have to do repairs. They don't think about how much it's going to cost to maintain. And that's what we see in this state. In cities, you see this. You see it with universities. You see it with schools. It's always about something new, something new, something new. Not understanding you have to maintain what you have. And people always think, you know, we've got this taken care of. Now we'll go new, new, new. But but the thing is, even those salaries for what you have, you know, those insurance rates are going to go up. You've got, to, you've got to raise salaries ever so often, you know, to keep up with the cost of living. You can't just say, well, we've got that taken care of. Now let's go to the new thing. We need to figure out what we can afford and what we cannot afford. And I'm always big on it's, it's better not to build than to have to cut later. I think it's better to plan for 50 years That's than right. to plan by election cycle. Than to say, uh, and, and we see it in tribes, we see it on the federal level. It's like, okay, this person gets elected, they have X number of years. If they don't get reelected, then everything that they work toward is fine, is, is wasted time. And it goes by the wayside. If they do get elected again, mm, they might keep those same priorities. They may not. Now they might be in the pocket of a lobbyist, and now we don't. Now we're That's just it's out of control so i mean i it's just like i said i in, in the end i think people just need to be more involved and vote and and be informed when they vote about the people that they're putting in office yes and i think that would go a long way to help us all across the country you know what's sad though a lot of politicians and i have seen some that do think that way um I had, in fact, one that I thought thought this way. He lost, but Gary Jones, who used to be the state auditor. I, mean, I remember I, Gary Jones. And, and, and he does think long-term. But the sad thing is the people like that, he's like a genius when it comes to that. But the people that are like that are often not the ones that are, that are good when it comes to politics. Politics as in what you have to do to win. In other words, he, he did his job well. He could plan ahead, but he's not going to be necessarily dynamic. And, but the sad thing is, and this is something I've noticed of politicians, the success, the quote, successful ones in politics are the ones that know how to do fundraising and all that. But that also means they may be greedy and misspend and all this. I mean, it, it's weird because what a lot of times the ones that make a successful politician make a lousy make make them lousy once they're in yeah. office. It, it, it's very sad. But I hope that Gary Jones comes back. I hope he, we haven't seen the last of him because, like I said, he was, he was cer- cer- certainly wise. Um, and that's the people that, t- people that can look long term. And we're going to leave it right there. Dr. Crow, thank you so much for coming in and letting us harass you once again in the crow's nest. Don't forget, if you miss any past episodes, you can go to the Talk Jive homepage, click on the podcast tab, choose how you get your podcast, and choose whichever episode of the crow's nest that you want to listen to. And we're back here every Saturday at straight up noon central time. Until next week, I'm Kelly J. Lewis with Dr. Kevin Crow. Have a great day.